Hey guys, this is Crazy Juicy Love. If you're ready to change your life, your finances, and your love life, hiring a coach will dramatically give you results in any area that's important to you. This is season two of Crazy Juicy Love. Why hiring a coach will change your life. So, hey guys, welcome to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast, and I have a delicious person in front of me. Uh, This is Nando Rodriguez. He is a breakthrough coach. Uh, I am so delighted to have him here, and, you know, I just, Nando, so Nando, welcome to the Crazy Juicy Love Podcast. How are you? Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I am so I'm so thrilled that you got a, that you have a podcast <laughs> and that you are just doing your thing and the planet is gonna recognize it. I, I'm just uh, so in love with that. Uh, thank you. Um, so let's just get into it. I just well, you know, you as a breakthrough coach, transforming you know celebrities, influencers, and creatives. Uh, I just want to just talk to me like, how did you even get into coaching? Like, how did you know that this was meant for you? Uh, just taking me through that. Yeah, so it was about a year and a half ago, almost two years. Um, I was working in HR. And what I did was I used to create content, uh, social media content, graphics, uh, videos. And um, my boss took me into her office one day and was like, hey, we're going to consolidate departments. Um, and I was like, oh, Okay, what does that mean? I now report into Steven. And she was like, no, you don't report into anyone. We're letting you go. And I was like, what? And because I, I'm prone to drama, I immediately <laughs> went into like, oh my God, I'm going to be homeless. And I called my husband and was like, you better go find a big cardboard box for me, you and Leona go, to go live under the Brooklyn Bridge because I just got let go. And <laughs> we're going to be homeless and there's no money in the house. <clears throat> and so... Um, from from being let go, I really didn't know what I wanted to do, right? And so the typical thing that we all do is, which I realize now is, we always put, we always bring our past into the future. That's right. what we do, unless you're having breakthroughs, right? <laughs> unless you're having breakthroughs, you always take bring your past into the future. So what it looked like for me was, oh, I gotta get a job, right? And I get I get a job doing exactly what I was what I was just doing. And if you look at people's LinkedIn, you look at people's career, that's what it looks like. Right? It's just like you're doing the same thing, maybe just a different title, maybe just different pay. But how many people actually take a step back and think, are you passionate about this? Is this something right. really that you wake up excited about? So I was let go and I immediately started applying for jobs in the same, you know, in HR employer branding, all of that. And what I discovered was I was bringing, I was bringing hopelessness. I was bringing desperation into my interview. So people would interview me and I'd be like, you know, sad, I'd be depressed because I was inside this world of, I don't think I want to do this anymore, but this is what life is telling me I have to do, right? Because that's what your resume is. That's what LinkedIn tells you. That's what professional. And so 
I decided to, to get inside this transformational program where um, after attending, I discovered that I didn't have to. First of all, I discovered that that's what we do as humans. We right. bring our past into the future. And once I was able to see that, I was like, holy man, holy crap, that's what I've been doing. Like I immediately started looking for jobs and and this what I was doing, I was good at it, but I just wasn't happy. I wasn't passionate about it anymore. So I discovered that I had a blank slate. So what are you going to fill this blank slate with? And so once I discovered I had that blank slate, regular people would be excited. Like I could do anything. I could be a cupcake <laughs> maker. I could do this. I didn't. I actually took that. I have a blank slate and it became more pressure. It became more pressure and I went into a depression <clears throat> wow. and uh, I had a lot of anxiety and my hopelessness came 10 times even more. And wow. I would wake up not being able to breathe because it was like, okay, the world is telling you, you have a blank slate. What are you going to do with it? And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know what to do with it. And so I was involved for about eight months inside of like this depression and just feeling hopeless and really like becoming a hater. I hated people. I you hated feel people. unemployed? Very much unemployed. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> and, and the hating came in because I would see people post on Facebook or LinkedIn like, oh, I just got a raise or oh, I just got a this. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, I don't like you. And I started like unfollowing people for like my own well-being. <laughs> um, but through, through that eight month period, I continued that transformational education. And one of the programs that I ended up with, uh, they gave us a coach. And my coach was constantly helping me discover things about myself, you know, about my marriage, about relationships, about how I thought life should be. And from when I was let go, to about eight months later, eight months after that, I was in Target. I was in Target in the vitamin aisle. And I was, you know, looking for some vitamin C. Um, and and I'm looking around and I see, you know, like these vitamins that say, you know, calm, relax, go to sleep better. <laughs> and I was looking at them and I was like, wait, I haven't taken any of these things in the last like three months or so. Like, and then I, and then I took it, it's so weird. I took an even deeper look at my life and I was like, wait a minute, I haven't been depressed in about three months or so. There's no anxiety. There's like nothing that this is like, when did this happen? And I immediately, like, I, I started laughing so hard because I'm like, you didn't even realize it, that you're no longer experiencing these things. And in the middle of the Target vitamin aisle in Flatbush, Brooklyn, I let out this huge laugh that people started looking at me like, what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> and I went to go look for my husband <clears throat> to tell him, hey, FYI, I haven't been depressed in about three months or so. And he was like, oh, yeah, you have it. And wow. at the end, I, I told my coach this whole experience and I was nearing the end of my program. And she said to me, listen, you've really grasped the coaching concepts. You really grasped this thing called coach. Why don't you come back and you coach this program and see what that's like? And I was like, absolutely not. I, I don't want to coach people. I don't want to deal with people's <laughs> drama. Like, right. that's not what I'm about. 
And because um, previously, when I went to college, you know, at the university, I studied um, human services and I actually got a degree in human services. And I was a certified licensed chemical dependency counselor for the first three to four years of my career, right out of right out of college. And what that meant was I was helping people in treatment centers who were addicted to alcohol and drugs and who were also duly diagnosed with like a mental issue, a health issue, um, helping them get clean and sober. So I was helping them creating treatment plans. I would they would come in. We would talk once a week. So. The coaching thing kind of was familiar to me, but this was a whole separate, this was a whole new way of being a coach, right? So at the end of this program that I'm telling you about, I was graduating and my coach is like, I think you should come back and coach it for yourself. I went ahead and I did it reluctantly. Mm-hmm. And when I became a coach, <clears throat> it was my second phone call with one of the, the participants in the program. And she had this major breakthrough. Like major and she was so lit up and she was like oh my god and she was crying and my life has changed and because of you and I was like I really like this you know I really like this feeling and I declared it at that moment I was like you know what this is what I want to do I want to be a coach and then I sought out like training and how to become a coach certified what do you need and, and mm-hmm. all of that so long story short <laughs> I was let go went into a funk, a depression, sadness, hopelessness. At the end of that, because I got a coach, I was able to to really create some breakthroughs in my life. And I discovered that that's what I wanted to help others do as well. Well, you know, it, it's sort of similar so, uh, situation with when I started coaching, I think we, we went through the same, you know, transformational program. And I, um, and when I coached that program, um, <clears throat> I had, I, and I, and I, I told my head coach, and I said, "It'd be funny if I get all men." And then exactly that's what happened. I got all men who I was going to coach uh, for them. And for me, it was the very first call with this guy in breakdown. He was literally, he said, "I'm in crisis," and I was my my, my very first call, and I was like, uh, uh, I, "I didn't know what to do," and. He was like, I'm about to throw my sister out of my house and I need coaching. He's like, I am sick and tired of her. She hasn't paid me rent. She doesn't uh, X, Y, and Z. And then so I started coaching him around the distinctions of the course. He was like, no, I don't want that type of coaching. I want you to be straight with me. And so then again, that was the other block. And... And I had to like sit there and like really listen to him and, and tell him to explain to me what happened. And I said to him, I said, you are assuming X, Y, and Z. Like when you don't even know the real truth about why she hasn't paid you yet. All you see is like, she hasn't paid me any money. She's avoiding me. And I said, but you have to look at that. You created that. And he like, the, the phone went silent. And then and I and then he he said, "Can I call you back?" And so um, hung up the phone, called me back within an hour, and he was like, "Yeah, I my sister was embarrassed that she lost her job, so she couldn't tell me. Uh, she didn't want to tell me because she knew that I would be be dramatic 
and create all this drama. So then I was like, yeah, you know, this is how he is. But anyway, it was just like such a, so he, he didn't end up kicking her out. He ended up help, like hiring her, helping her with funds and stuff like that. And like really like shifted that whole relationship. Like it was not really, um, I was like, oh, wow. Like I think I love this, you know? Um, and that was my very, very, very first experience of uh, my coaching experience. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, you were, you were really able <clears throat> you were really able to, to shift their their perspectives right and, and then you create you helped to him see that there was actually something to create there with his sister that right. that's awesome you said he right. hired her to do some stuff that, that's that's really great because so, I know you are a, an NLP <laughs> certified so talk to me about what's what's NLP you know how is that different from other programs and why why did you choose that what did you what do you love about it? Yeah. So, you know, the coaching program, the transformational work that program that you and I do, Mm -hmm. uh, which is Landmark, Landmark Worldwide, (laughs) um, I got very, I got very inspired as to like, um, I'm a very curious person by nature. And I was like, how are these, how are these concepts created? Right. Warner and created, created the, the, the foundation of it. And I was like, who inspired Warner? And I've always been curious as to like, if I like something, where did it come from? Who inspired it? And then who inspired that? And then who inspired that? And then who inspired right. I always love to go backwards. And I discovered that <clears throat> all this was set in transformational work. So it's like, okay, what is transformation? And one of the avenues that led me down was NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming, which is basically your mindset. Whatever it is, those thoughts that are floating around in there, uh, your mindsets actually influence your behaviors. Right. So what I think about something is going to make me take this certain type of action. And then when you take certain type of action, it gives you a result. Right. So, for example, with your client, you know, his mindset is to the dramatic Right. And I and I totally get that because that's where that's where I live, too. Right. <laughs> when you're in the dramatic. Right. Your your actions come in a very dramatic type of way that they, they create even more drama. They create chaos. Right. And so the result is always going to be more drama. Right. So how do we get somebody who's dramatic to no longer create more drama? we got to shift how they see and how they view the world. So the sister not paying rent, the sister lose, the sister not paying rent is just the sister not paying rent. Right. It doesn't mean anything, but it's the stories we create around it. Oh, she doesn't care. Oh, she she's she doesn't, you know, doesn't she realize I'm not rich? I gotta pay bills. Like she's taking advantage. That could have been the story behind it. She's taking advantage of me, right? Right. And so the taking advantage, the result, the action is I'm kicking her out. And then that's the action. I'm going to kick her out. And then the result is now you don't have a sister because you kicked her out and you're not talking. And then if you look at your life, that's how you base your entire decision-making process at work, at play, at fun, right? So with NLP, we take a look at, okay, let's, let's strip the story out. What's really happening? What's the thought process? How are you filtering it? That's going to inform how you react, how you behave, your action. Mm-hmm. And then in that action, you, you start creating a result. So that's the world I work in. Is my, I, I transform mindset 
actions and results. Right. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I do want to talk to you about something that I saw I was reading in your, your website, you know, about uh, toxic relationships. And, um, you know, I, it's, it's such a really great and interesting and important topic because I don't think a lot of people realize that they are in a toxic relationship or, you know, uh, involved in toxic relationships. And they might just think it's like, oh, la-di-da, this is how we are. But they don't see the impact of that relationship that is having on themselves, their marriage or their relationship. And so I know, um, you know, I was, you know, talk about, so let's talk about, you know, these five tips that you talk about and how that really shows up and maybe show up for you. Like, so like, what are some of the things that you, you see or recognize or these tips that indicate that you may be in a toxic relationship? Well, I think first of all, people have to, um, so that that particular blog that you're talking about, mm-hmm. um, one of my guest bloggers wrote that. Her name is okay. Rachel Casey. Yeah, so she wrote that. Okay. Uh, but I can talk to you about like the five tips that that she gave. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It lands for me a little bit differently than it does for her, but I think it's great. So, <clears throat> what she says is communication. The first the first tip when you're in a in a toxic relationship is communication is lacking. And as you know, I, I I wholeheartedly believe that, right? Right. In a toxic relationship, something has occurred where communication is not a foundational element in it. And just like with your with your with your first client, mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's how we filter it out, how we filter and how we interpret everything that's happening. So let's say one person out of the, in the relationship is always coming in late or tired from work and they don't want to go out on dates anymore or what have you, the other person starts creating a story around that, starts filtering it. When all there is to do is say, hey, let's create a date night. A lot of times communication is really not even stating what your needs are. Right. There's an assumption. Well, not even an assumption. There's just like a, like, he should know. So I'm not going to say anything. Right. And it's always like, it's really you not stating your needs. That's part of the communication aspect that's missing in a lot of relationships. I have a friend who actually just got into a new relationship and I'm going to say she's in like three months in and already this is coming up. And I'm like, if you don't start working on this now, what do you think it's going to look like six months down the line? So what's happening with, with her is he's so busy at work. He's working 16 to 18 hour days. So when he comes home, there's no time to interact with her. But on the weekends when he's off, he's also volunteering. So then there's no time to interact with her either. So where does she fit into all of this? So something has to crack open there, right? But she's not saying anything because she doesn't want to be needy. So she's just letting it go. Right. And it's only three months in. So already that relationship, it's not fun for her. Who wants to be trapped in a not fun relationship? Right. So communication is is really, you know, um, not just talking. It's really about stating your needs and and then working them out, right? Because just because her needs might be, I want to see you four times a week, that might not be reality. But let's get it down to at least twice a week or three times a week, right? So communication is key. The second thing she talks about is controlling. 
In a toxic relationship, someone has uh, massive control over the other person, right? Now, whether we look at it this way or not, he actually is controlling the relationship because there is no relationship. He's so busy at work. He's so busy doing things. And she's not a priority, right? So in a sense, that's that could be seen as controlling. People right. automatically assume that it's like, you can't, you know, one person telling you, you can't see your friends and it could be, or you can't make those phone calls or you can't wear that. You can't talk like this anymore. That's part, you know, that could be it too. But also it's the subtleties of controlling, you know, I don't get to see you because I'm working 18 hour days and on the weekend I'm volunteering at XYZ. That's having control over the relationship as well. Cause you get to say how it goes, you see? And again, it goes back to communication. If you don't say anything, where is it going to go six months down the road? Because you you were okay with it. So now you're in year three in this relationship right. and you're still complaining about the same thing. You, right. you, you set it up, you know? <clears throat> right. And I think that is sort of, um, I see as a, a trap because, um, or a time bomb, basically, you know, it, those not communicating your needs consistently because i know for me my first relationship my first boyfriend i didn't know that that was required of me to like really state my needs and so two years in you know he's running the relay he's running the relationship because i'm like well because i had a belief like oh you're supposed to compromise for your partner and you just okay sure i'll move this for you i'll do this for you yeah you know to like i guess to keep the peace i was like well you just that's what I believe that this is what people do in relationships. And I remember two months in, I was so frustrated and I was so a little scared to like say my needs or even say anything back because I didn't want to disrupt the relationship and cause us to probably look at this one thing and cause us to break up. I'm like, and then I remember, uh, he had a way of uh, speaking to me like very, you know, one of the, so one of the tips too is like very abusive language. Um, one of your signs uh, on the blog about uh, uh, having being with someone who has uh, abusive language towards the part of the partner. And he was very, which I didn't know at the time, very like always subtly putting you down and always made these like, you know, comments, these jokes and stuff like that. And anyway, and I remember one day, he made some comment. I don't remember exactly what it was, and I had it had it had enough. And I told, and I looked, I turned around, I was sitting at a desk, and he was sitting on the couch behind me. And I turned around, and I said, "You know, you're an asshole." <laughs> His face, like, he looked at me. He was like, "What? What did you say?" And I was like, "You're an asshole." I was like, "Nothing I ever do is good enough for you." And you use these languages on this language on me as if like. Like, it's just okay for you to, like, put me down anytime you want to. I'm like, no, today is a new day, and um, this is not going to happen to you. But it took me two years to even start to speak up for me. And a lot I find a lot of couples run into that trap of not sitting their needs early on, which implodes or explodes later on, like what you're saying. Yeah. And... <clears throat> 
<clears throat> I'm glad that you said that about compromise because a lot of people feel like compromise means that there's a winner and that there's a loser. And that's right. not what it means. It actually means that you meet in the middle. And yeah, maybe sometimes the middle is a little bit more this way or maybe it shifts a little bit more that way. But it doesn't mean someone walks out feeling like a loser. Right. <laughs> and so if, if someone's in a relationship and they feel like, oh, this is me compromising. This is me, you know, being, a, this is me um, really being supportive because he works hard and he had this prior commitment to volunteer or what have you. <clears throat> Let me just compromise, like, you know, <clears throat> and be supportive. But you're still walking away feeling like you're not important. So right. there's a way to have a conversation in order so everything is being met. You know, how about you go and volunteer as well? And then you're spending time together volunteering for that cause or whatever it is. Maybe, you know, he's working 16 hour days or 15 hour days. But how about you really get him to commit to seeing you for lunch? Right. Gotta eat lunch somehow, right? And so maybe you see him every day for one hour for right. lunch. Like you walk, when you compromise, you both walk away feeling satisfied because something got met on both mm -hmm. sides. And people have it that compromising means I, I just lost mm -hmm. for the sake of the relationship. And that's just not how it is. Right. So how would you coach this girl on the, the type of conversation, like how would someone bring this up in a way to not make the other person feel wrong, but in a healthy way of communicating? Yeah, that's that's a that's a great conversation to have. And it's really simply just getting getting in front of the person, not doing it over text, mm -hmm. not right. doing it over phone, actually when you do get to see them <clears throat> and just say, listen, we've been together for three months. And I, I feel we're going down a path where it's going to feel like a year. Like, I, I feel like we don't get to see each other enough. And I get right. it that you're busy and I get it that you have prior commitments before meeting me. But what can we do so we get to see each other and really grow this relationship? You know, right. because see, what's happening is per, my friend wants it to go this way, but she doesn't even know if that's the way he wants it to go. Right. Maybe for him, it's such a casual thing that it's okay for me to see you once a month. Right. So that's even the first conversation to have is what, what are we doing? What, you know, because again, in her mind, it's going this way. Maybe eventually we'll live, move in together. Maybe eventually, you know, we'll get married mm -hmm. and we don't know where his thing is. Right. We don't know where which way it's going. So that's the first conversation to crack open. And what I find is people don't want to have that conversation. No, it's <laughs> scary. It's too scary. Something they have it where if I talk to you about what I really I'm being an inquiry, I'm just being an inquiry. Hey, where is this going? Right. You know? And people are scared to really get answers. I mean, I know it seems like a lot of that comes from like, I don't want to be alone. So, or especially if like sex is really good, you know, and they have this like, they're, you know, this beautiful person and they have this great job and all these other things are- Like it looks good on paper. Right, that is a lot of- mm -hmm. Yeah. of like who looks good on paper and they don't want to lose it and they would, and they would compromise themselves in order just to, to, to keep face in this relationship, which is 
oh my god like just so detrimental uh you know i dated a guy he uh, he literally was a name dropping person i just i told him one i said you know i just think you're in a relationship just to say you're in a relationship like you treat me like i'm a, a chanel bag <laughs> like that's how he because that's how he was like he was a very social media uh person always wearing gucci prada hermes and all these things and like he always in his you know posts and he always had to make sure that that brand stuck out and i was like oh i think that's what i am like you could just take a bag and put it on the, you know with you take it with you whenever you want and when you want to put it down and I, he put me down and like I never he never really um helped plan the relationship help go out and cultivate and nurture the relationship I was always waiting waiting for this person to like make me a priority and I always felt like a bag like you could just like take it out of the closet oh I hang out with this friend today oh I hang out with my boyfriend today oh I hang out with this day and a lot of people who <laughs> I'm not you know referring to people as bags but you may people may feel like that in a relationship and not even realize that is what's happening well what you said was you know people are why do people not have these conversations of where are we going right where is this headed right and you mentioned something it was like out of fear out of fear of losing someone because of xyz Mm -hmm. and that really brings us to the third point of what rachel wrote in her blog which is you feel bad all the time yes (laughs) right so if you're it's really about like how are you feeling inside this relationship how are you feeling inside this partnership if you're feeling good then there's nothing to question there's nothing because you keep doing what you're doing right but if something doesn't feel right if you're not happy or if you feel like uh, something's missing and and we're great at figuring that out we're just not great at doing something about it right right so if you're not happy then that's red flag number one. You know, I don't get to see him except once a month. Is this really how I want it to go? No. Okay, so then what are you going to do about it? Let's have a conversation about that. So it's really your measuring stick is your own self. Like how how are you feeling about where things are going, where things are at? And if if they're not good, have a conversation. Right, and that's a really good indicator of how what you just said, like how you feel in a relationship, is a very in, good indicator. Like something is off, and you know, I, I and I, for me too, I, I I can relate because sometimes you feel scared because one, you don't want to rock the boat. Two, um, people fear because I know I did because um, he would say to me, "Oh, you're just insecure," and just like shush it away. And which is another, I feel like, an indicator like, okay, this is controlling and he's putting me down. Um, other indicators that this may be a toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you think about it, and we may get some pushback about this, but everything that occurs in that relationship, <laughs> you, you manifest it. Right. Because think about it. In that relationship, back in the day, right, with you, back in the day, were you or were you not insecure? Oh, I was. I, cause I was you were. Because I was were. very brand new. I just, like, I, right? I'd so, never been in a relationship before. And I was like, I didn't know what right? I was doing. Right. So it manifested itself in a certain way where 
there was no other way for you to show up in that relationship except insecure. Right. Right. And so that might have manifested in maybe texting a lot or, you know, wanting, you know, to really, really like we're together. Right. We're to, and I'm not saying that's what you're saying. That That's what you did. What I'm saying is this is how that might manifest into somebody else's relationship. Yeah. Like pretty much whatever is happening. See, my friend, what she doesn't realize is that she's manifesting this. I'm, I don't get to see him except once a month. Right. So even in toxic relationships, if you're in a toxic relationship, there's something about your way of being that it's manifesting this. It's not blaming the victim, but it's like there's something about how you're being that is creating this because you get to create how your relationship goes. Right. So if someone does have volatile language towards you, the first time you accepted it, that's it. You you created the pattern. You allow that to, to occur. Right. The second time they do it, they're just reinforcing what you allowed the first time. The third time they do it, it's just it. That's just the way it is. This is our relationship. Right. This is how I get to call you out. This is how I this is how I get to express my anger and you're cool with it because nothing was ever said the first time around, right? Or the second or whatever it is. And so what there is to do <clears throat> is really you know, work on discovering what is it that I, what is that center thing in this relationship that it's, that it's, that I, I should be in discovery about? Because every relationship gives you like a centralized thing for you to work on. Right. You know? uh, yeah. Was, my, my next point was like, you know, what is this, what is, and calling in the one, she would say, we would say like, what is this relationship reflecting back to me? What I need to still work with myself. Yeah. And a lot of the times, like with your friend, you know, mm-hmm. I would suggest say that she chose that person for a reason and look at like, Oh, why, why did I choose this person? A lot of times you, you choose people like that so we can easily be rejected or like yours or to uh validate our yes. own story you know yes i'm not worthy <laughs> right you know and we don't even realize that we sometimes in relationships or dating like we're choosing people that validate that story and i remember when i got that i was like holy shit i really started to look at every single relationship every person i dated and how i like i i was like how did i miss that from the very beginning because <laughs> the, that the person your friend his business was always there like it like it didn't just just happen no <laughs> and somehow she ignored it because god knows i ignored something some signs i was like holy crap but for instance like what the audience said like, you know with my my last boyfriend you know he he was it was always about you know like i said he like chanel bag looking good he was very busy he was a very renowned like you know uh musician blah 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 and so I remember like watching this episode of Oprah. She was like, you know, people tell you who they are from the very beginning. I was like, oh, hmm, let me look at that. <clears throat> when I looked at that and looked at relationships, like, oh my God, he did tell me in the very beginning. He was like, because I remember on the very first date, he was he kept saying to me, I hope you're busy because I'm busy too. And, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm busy. I'm busy. I got I got my own life too, you know, because I didn't really know what that meant when he said that. 
you know, I just, he, he was very attractive. And so I was <laughs> like, I want this, you know? And, but what that meant was, oh, my career is always going to be first and you and, and my public persona is first and you are like just there. And like, it was hard to, I mean, we, even though we talked every day, we FaceTime every day, but to see him in person, it was like pulling teeth. And, and I remember when I introduced him to one of my best friends and I don't know why I had this instinct because I never really re- uh, introduced people who I date so early on, but I just had this instinct. I had to go with it. And <clears throat> he met him. And the next day my best friend called me and I knew it. And he was like, are you sitting down? I was like, okay, I'll, yeah, I'm sitting down. I said, I know why you're calling me. This is why I had you guys meet. And he said, and it was hard to hear. And sometimes it's really great when you have a healthy relationship with someone to really listen to the feedback. Like you can take it or leave it. He said to me, you will never be number one in that guy's life. You will always be last. And it really, and I was, I was pissed because I knew that that was the truth, but he was calling me out on, on it. And I really looked at it. I was like, okay, do I want to always be last in this relationship? Like, it, it, it was really hard because everything that me and this guy was creating, well, I mean, I, I was in love with him, you know, he made me feel <clears throat> um, a certain type of way because, you know, since I had been a LIGO, he was the first guy that looked at me and said that I was beautiful with my spots on my body and face. And I never had that. And I didn't want to lose that. And I would... I was, and I realized I was compromising myself in the relationship because the way he made me feel, he was really good at making people feel good. Um, and he really, when we were together, it was just like magic. But I still was always last. I would see him maybe once a week. And I had, and there was a really huge lesson when I really, I said, God, how did I not miss this? from the very beginning. <clears throat> so yeah. have you have you ever, what was your experience of being in a toxic relationship, if any? Yeah, no, so I, I would say <clears throat> in my very first relationship, when I first came out, it, it flipped into a toxic relationship in the sense that um, he was someone in, in our community, he was someone really uh, big. And so, um, I I was like um, I was like the prop, like what you're talking about. <laughs> the prop. I, was, I was the prop, and it was my first relationship, so it was like, <clears throat> oh, maybe this is what maybe this is what it's like. I love it, you know, when when you hear people talk about their first relationships, or when you actually meet young people and they're in their first relationship, you're like, oh my god, you just don't get it yet. But it's cool, <laughs> right? Because and that's where I was at. I was like, oh, this is this is what a relationship is like. You know, he 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 would boss me around and. And I'd be like, okay, I'll do that. Or, you know, and he, he would decide the music. He would decide what we would eat. He would decide like everything. And I was like, okay, this is, this is what it's like to be in a relationship. Cause I don't know. And then, <clears throat> cause we were together for four years and on that third year, year one and two, it, everything flowed, right? But everything flowed because he was getting his way. 
And he wasn't controlling in a way of like, you know, this Ike Turner, this Chris Brown kind of way. <laughs> it was just like, you know, we're going to have tacos tonight. Okay, we're going to have lasagna tonight. Okay, I never got to say, I, my opinion never came into play. But then by year three, I was like, when, I, you know, some of my friends were in relationships and stuff and I would hear them and I'd be like, well, I, I don't get to decide stuff. And I started introducing that. Imagine introducing <laughs> after three years. I have an opinion, right? And then being shut down. Wow. No, that's stupid. Oh, that's when that came up. <clears throat> yeah, oh. that, and I never got it before because I never questioned it. I never anything. That's ridiculous. We're not going to do that. Oh, okay, maybe it is ridiculous. Wow. And then you start hearing that enough. And then, first of all, I didn't have a voice. And then when I did say something, it was shut down. Right. Wow. We're not going to do that. That's that's completely ridiculous. No. Oh, okay. And so you hear that for a whole year. And so mm-hmm. you, you completely shut down. By year four, it was like something's not right. Absolutely. Like, right. Like every day you wake up and it's like, ugh, mm-hmm. I'm with someone who I can't express myself. I can't, and, and, and what had occurred was, you know, they say couples... After you've been together for a while, you you look alike, you dress alike, you you know your interests start to meld in. Well, that's what was happening, but it was really because I had no choice. I looked right. around one day in my car, and it was just like, when did I like this? When did I like this type of music? You know, like <laughs> what about like I want to hear some Selena, I want to hear some this, I want to hear some that, but it, and I discovered that I had become him. Wow, and not in a good way, right? And I started, all of a sudden, I started seeing all the areas were controlling, that were toxic, that were this, that were that. And then towards the end, it it got physical. Oh, wow. Towards the end, it got physical. And it got physical twice. And I said to myself that first time, never again. So so what happened? Can you take, do you want to talk? Can you? Yeah. We were, we were, we were at at the gay club. We were at the gay club, and we had split up. We had split up. He you and mean, I. The club you just went his way, or you, you broke up, or you mean like we broke up? Okay. Broke up. And um, I was at the club, and then mm-hmm. he showed up, and I was talking to one of his friends, talking <laughs> like, "Hey, what's up?" Like, "Oh, da 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 da," and everything. He saw it as flirting. He saw it as, oh, he's going to go. They're going to get together. Da, 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 da. That was not my intent. Next thing you know, I was being pulled from my back and dragged wow. out of the bar. And I started getting punched on. <gasps> totally blindsided. I had, like, I never saw it wow. coming, anything. And it was the, it was the, it was, it was one of the most humiliating moments in my entire life because it happened so publicly. Wow. Right? I got dragged out and I didn't get a chance to even bend myself because I had no idea what was happening. Yeah, wow. And by the time I got thrown down and I was, you know, he was he was hitting me, uh, people, people had pulled him off and then he drove away and I was left there with his big fat lip, black eye, like they're instant wow. away. I had no idea. Like those suckers come on instantly if you're hit with enough force. And- wow. This is New York. This was this was in Texas. Okay. Yeah, this was in Texas, and so um, 
I said never again. And I was fearful. Mm. I was like, this is not, this is not going to happen. This is not going to happen. And so, um, what, what, what happened then was the phone calls. I am so sorry. I apologize. Da, 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 da. And you want to eat the crazy part of it is when I got home, when I got home, he had broken into my place Ooh. before he went to the club. So when I got home, all the stuffed animals that, that he had given me, like for Valentine's, this was four years worth of stuff, he had ripped their heads open. <laughs> oh it was very, it was very like I walked in and it wasn't even that the animals <clears throat> had their heads cut off. It was the fact that he had broken into my place. Right. And I and I no longer felt safe. This was my home. And I no longer felt safe. And so if the person that claims to love you is making you feel unsafe in any way, shape, or form, mm. you know it's not healthy. Right. And that's that's what sealed the deal for me. That's what sealed the deal. And the reason it got toxic the second time or it got physical the second time was we never got back together again. And after so many months of him trying to get back, he actually went to, to my job and, and he wanted to get physical one more time, right? Wow. Like he wanted to start swinging and all this and that. But I had enough friends at work that that, that never occurred. Wow. So, um, yeah. And I learned, I learned so much inside that relationship. And it sucks that that's the way I had to go through it. Right. And I'm very lucky that that's all that happened because right. some people don't escape that way. They don't. Right. And, you know, you, your relationship really described a lot of my first relationship, too, you know, and um, it didn't get too it didn't get physical like that. But I remember and it was all inside of this, like, um, I am not worthy. I didn't want to be alone, like Ooh. really, which really a lot of couples or PO, the person are is trapped in um and i remember i wanted to surprise him taking it we were going to go to this um the theater i think the, the public theater in, in the village and um and i had found this place that was a, this very healthy place that was near nyu and i wanted to take him there and surprise him because it's some uh, it's one of my my spots that i i always go to in that area or i would intentionally go to because i just always eat healthy and we were on this sort of healthy tip and uh so you know we went to the public theater we got our tickets or whatever and we we're gonna walk over to this place and mind you he i didn't really know that he, what hangry meant well i knew what it was but i didn't know how it can really affect some people or some people in the story but i'm hangry and i'm blah 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 and so I didn't want to tell him where it was. I was like, well, it's just around the corner. Just like, let me, you know, surprise you. And he didn't like surprises, which I forgot. Like, he doesn't like surprises at all. And so we're walking to the place and literally it's like a, across the street. And he's asking me questions like, where's, I like, I'm like, just, it's, we're almost there. And as I said that to him, I turned my head. And he literally pushed me almost into the street. And he was like, I'm hungry. What, what? What is this mystery about this food thing? And I was just like, I looked at him 
And I said to him, if you ever fucking push me again, I will beat your ass. <laughs> because that in that moment, I was like, because I, I was already standing up to him, but I, for me, it was a decision like, no, this is not going to happen in my relationship with you ever again. But, you know, a lot of couples, you know, it's particularly some women like may be fearful, you know, and uh, in this. And so like, what are some um, steps of like, if, if they people feel that they're in a situation where it may get violent, like what are some things that people can do or start to get themselves out of that, you know, toxic situation? Yeah, so that's a really great question. I think always having like a strong um, support system is always, it's always a great start, right? So right. being able to share with your friends what happened, what occurred, and having that safe space. Because mm -hmm. if something, <clears throat> sort of, for example, when, when I had my altercation with the ex and I went back home and I saw that he had broken into my, into my house, I did not feel safe. So I actually, I actually mm. called my sister and, and it was embarrassing. It was humiliating having to say at three in the morning, mm. Hey, I know it's late. Can I come over? Um, someone broke into the house and I just don't feel safe here. I didn't give to give her the full story until the next day. And she was like, absolutely. You know, so creating those safe spaces and because here's the funny part, like your friends, your friends are already telling you that you're so worthy because right. you wouldn't have friends, right? Like if you didn't. So your friends are already telling you, you're so worthy. You can count on me. I'm here for you, right? But it's this one individual that we get wrapped up in that can, has this force to say, you're insecure. Oh, you're, you're stupid. That's right. a bad idea. Right. And then we start believing into that. Yet you have a system over here that's saying you're funny, you're amazing, you're great, you're talented, mm -hmm. you're skillful. But it's like we start ignoring this and we start amping the volume on this, you know, jerk over right. here. Right. So what to do is really don't lose connection with the support system. Right. And no matter what occurs in your relationship, having at least that one person that you can just say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm scared that it's going to get physical. So you can at least start being vulnerable about it because there is a humiliating factor to it that right. people don't understand. You know, I remember when the whole Rihanna thing broke out and it mm -hmm. was like that, that could not have been the first time <laughs> right. that he hit her, right? Why had she not spoken up? Because it's humiliating. And there's a lot of shame attached to it. Right. You as the person, you it's like, what are people going to say about you? What are people going to think? Like, there's all this world wrapped up into it. And so what there is to know is that's just a story we make up. Like, people really want to be there for us. People really want, people who love us really want us to be safe. They really want us to be in a loving relationship. And so if something like this is happening to you, if you tell your friends, they will be supportive and say, come over. I will take care of you. You know, let's let's talk about what next step is for you. Right. And I'm really glad you said that because in, in another I just realized in that another indication that it's a toxic relationship when because this happened to me and I didn't even realize that it was happening at the time when my first boyfriend is that he was unknowingly like weaning me from my friends and Ooh, so he would like give me all these like why are you hanging out with this person this person doesn't add value to this like really 
filling my head up. That's part of, that's part of the controlling. Right. So, controlling. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, this maybe happened to someone. And so, um, like he was filling my head so much of this negative things about my best friend that it really created this drama with my best friend. And we ended up stop talking really like we're, we really, we stopped talking for almost four years. Um, and we're, we're kind of like talking now, you know, but it's a totally different kind of dynamic. But this dude, like, I, he, we moved up to New York together. We were like always, every day, constantly talking, you know, uh, FaceTime, on the phone, hung out. We, I mean, we, we, we experienced New York together when we first moved here. Like, we were such a support team. And he, my first boyfriend, really filled my head up so much that I started to think of my friend who was a very positive and influential person on me that I, that it shifted my mind and said, oh, this person is not, he wasn't good for me. And, uh, and I, and I, God, I regret, I mean, I learned my lesson now, but like, I didn't catch it then. Um, and that's one of the, another sign that what happens is like, that toxic person starts to wean you from your family and yeah. friends and like it's so, so important to stay connected to the people who love you the most yeah i had a friend of mine also too her dad called, she was going to go home for thanksgiving and she's going to bring her boyfriend and her dad called her two days before thanksgiving and said you're not welcome here if you bring him the boyfriend at the time she was dating you can't come. And it was her wake up call. And she called her friends and was saying what her dad said to her. And they were like, yeah, this guy's no good for you. Mm. And it took her dad, because her friends had been trying to warn her, but she was ignoring the friends. They were like, oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. It took the dad to take a huge risk to say, you're, no, you're not wanted here if you bring this man to my house yeah so it's i i just really love that comment about <coughs> really staying connected to you your friends and stuff like that That's what I'm and you know bring it bringing it all back right so to according to the blog with with rachel right she said with, sign number one is communication is lacking right and we talked about that in communication right. in in all different types of form because think about it Communication is lacking, not just in the relationship with you and this person, but also now the communication is lacking with you and your friends over here. Right. Because you're trying to keep secrets, right? Mm -hmm. So that's another sign that people don't know to look out for is what am I keeping secret? What am I hiding from friends? That's a lack of communication, right? right. So lack of communication is not just you and the person, it's you and everybody else around you. So that's that's the first sign to look for. The second thing is they, they become controlling. Someone in the relationship is controlling either the time, the, the events, the what you wear, the what you say, who you hang out with, right? So that's number two. Number three is you're starting to feel bad all the time. Like, why are you in this relationship? You're three months in and you feel bad. What is going on? What do you think you're going to feel like six months into it? Right. Sign number three, you feel bad. What you and I talked about just right now was number four, which was the volatile partner. Right, anything sets them off, like their tempers. And you start fearing that and you start living in such a way inside that relationship where you don't want to set them off. Right. Right. I lived in such a way where year three, my opinions, you know, I would I would 
hey, maybe we could do this. No, that's stupid. Da, da, da. So it was just like, oh, okay. And it was like at, at a 10. It wasn't like, no, I'm tired. I really don't want to do that or whatever. It was like at a 10. No, that's stupid. Da, 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 right. So the person is volatile. And then the fifth one, which I talked about earlier, was how to tell that you're in a toxic relationship is that there's physical abuse and not just physical, but there's emotional. Yeah. Right. So when you said, oh, X, Y, Z, and the response was, oh, you're so insecure, you know, yeah. it's like really not listening to what you're saying, you right. know, oh, I'm sorry. No, no, that's not what I meant. What I meant was, you know, da, 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 of course I love you or, or, or what have you. Right. So when you start feeling physically in danger or emotionally, we don't have signs for emotional danger. Right. right. Physically, there's a bruise, there's a fat lip like I had, there's a black eye that I had. Those are the signs. Oh, someone, you know, me messed you up. Right. But emotionally, we don't know what those signs are because right. we're so trapped inside of this is what it means to compromise. or this is what it means to be supportive mm. or he had a bad day. That's right. why he's so angry. And how dare I not have food yes. on time or, or whatever. So those are the five. Those are the five signs. Hey guys, stay tuned for part two next week with Nando Rodriguez of Nandoism. Hey guys, so don't forget to subscribe on Instagram at Jimmy Allen and Twitter, simply Jimmy. And don't forget to rate, rate, subscribe, comment, and share this podcast if you enjoyed it. Thank you guys for joining me. This is Jimmy Allen with Crazy Juicy Love. Hey guys, are you ready to call in your one? Are you ready to become wildly magnetic to the partner that you deserve and start creating that crazy, juicy love? Well, I am offering a discount package when you listen to this podcast. So when you listen to this podcast, you follow me on Instagram, you DM me and say, you listen to this podcast, and I will offer you a discount on a seven-week session. Crazy, juicy love.